right, everyone. Good evening and welcome to the Soccer Hour presented by your NorCal Honda dealers. It is just about here. The Classico. This is my favorite night of the year. I have to admit, more so than my birthday, more so than Thanksgiving, 4th of July. I think the only thing I rank as in terms of more important is probably my wife's birthday and our anniversary. But in terms of the most fun night of the year, it is the Classico. 50,000 strong at Stanford Stadium. It is about as good as it gets in terms of sports. The games themselves are electric. The atmosphere is unbelievable. The performances, the buildup, everything about the California Classico is as good as it gets. And that's what we have upon us on Saturday when the Earthquakes host the LA Galaxy. The best rivalry in Major League Soccer. The best atmosphere in Major League Soccer. The best crowd in Major League Soccer. It is going to be, as the kids would say, lit. And I will be 100% honest, I did not expect the Quakes to be in this position heading into the biggest game of the year. I did not expect them to be in last place in the West. I don't think anybody did. Now, That said, I do feel like things are getting better right now for the San Jose Earthquakes. They're coming off of two straight draws. And I know you're thinking, well, Ted, is that really that much to be proud of? In my opinion, yeah, right now it is. It's baby steps. You've got to start building some momentum. And for San Jose to get two straight draws, one at home, one on the road, that is a place to build from. And both New England and RSL are decent teams right now. San Jose has not been clicking up to this point, but now you might be seeing some sort of a semblance that gives you an idea of consistency and something they can build on. Coupled that with the fact that in the near future, Gurum Kashia is going to be joining the Earthquakes back line along with the return of Harold Cummings and you get Anibal Godoy back there in the midfield that improves the overall situation Danny Hooson has been absolutely on fire and suddenly all the pieces of this Earthquakes team start to look a little bit more cohesive start to look a little bit more of that jealous ideology that's maybe been lacking up to this point I just feel that things have not been going the Earthquakes way it hasn't been that far off but now we get to see if with all the pieces on there and who knows what moves are yet to come the earthquakes can turn around this season and then you couple that with the fact that Nick Lima gets this new multi-year contract extension he's going to be in a good headspace I feel like the quakes are almost ready to turn that corner and there's no better time than this Saturday against the galaxy their biggest rivalry to start peeling off some wins with that to look ahead towards the classico and talk a little world cup we are now joined by tv play-by-play man for the San Jose earthquakes the one and only Anthony Pass. Pass, what's going on, man? Hey, uh, ready for the Classico. Right? Uh, that's for sure. Uh, so you've been <laughs> you've been doing this for a while, man. What is your what's your top Classico memory? Uh, maybe not even just as as a broadcaster, but just in terms of uh, what what you've seen over the uh, over the recent memories. I guess we'll go back to since it's shifted to Stanford Stadium. Yeah, uh, I mean we had a great finish uh, in the Classico when it was uh, the Alan Gordon goal beat the Galaxy coming back. I think Shea Salinas had a goal near the end of that. Was that 12 or 13? Yeah, um, I want to say that was 13, was, yeah. Yeah, it was 13, and, you know, it looked like uh, it looked like for sure a loss in front of such a big crowd. And, um, you know, you, it's why we like to do this, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't know how these are going to turn out. People, you know, come into games and prognosticators and you and I and Danger and Danielle will talk about how we think a match might go. Uh, and Joe as well, but uh, you don't know. And so that one stands out as a 
uh, thought for sure, hey, if we could just get another goal, we would have the equalizer and the Quakes would uh, get a point out of it and they end up winning. It was just an amazing finish. Yeah, and I'll ask you, you know, since the Earthquakes and Galaxy every year they play in rivalry week, but this year they took the Earthquakes out of it and put the Galaxy up against LAFC. Um, what was your reaction to that? Because, you know, I understand that you have two LA teams now and they wanted to have that as a – uh, as a prime time event, but do, do you think that the addition of LAFC has done anything to diminish the rivalry between the Quakes and the Galaxy, at least um, from a league-wide oh, or national perspective? Uh, gosh, that's a good question in terms of league-wide or national. I, I think uh, I think it, it can help but dilute it a little bit from uh, the standpoint of uh, the national networks that broadcast the game because they're naturally going to go to that Los Angeles rivalry. And it's, you know, you pump it up and it gains a little steam. In the past, it might have been earthquakes in L.A., but now the, the league's evolving. You're adding more teams, obviously. You have expansion clubs coming in, so things are going to shift a little bit. Uh, that, you know, I would say it probably does a little bit from a national perspective, but from a Quakes fan perspective, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think it lessens it at all, really. Anytime it's the Quakes and the L.A. Galaxy, I think the rival is as strong as ever, and I think fans are going to see that uh, on uh, on Saturday. Now, let's take this a step towards the future that's very much unforeseen in terms of what the league is going to do. I think eventually we could see Sacramento Republic coming into the league once they figure out that whole big money ownership thing, whatever's holding them up right now, because it seems like the fans are there. D- do you Do you think that the rivalry between the Quakes and Sacramento would be – would it be an immediate rivalry, or would it take time to grow? I think, back to a local perspective, I think you would have an immediate immediate rivalry there. You would have probably more energy around that rivalry from Sacramento. And I'm, you know, I'm just saying. I mean, they've been wanting to get into the league. Uh, they take pride when they play the Earthquakes in, uh, you know, preseason in beating San Jose. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I used to live in Sacramento. It's a, you know, whether it's minor league baseball or the the Sacramento Kings, even though the results may not always be there. And they certainly, I think have been there with the Republic um, FC. uh, They're very proud. It's a very proud area. So I I think the rivalry will, might take a little bit time to grow for both sides, Sacramento and San Jose fans. But I think it will get there from a national perspective. I think it might take a little bit longer. Again, we're talking to Anthony Passarelli right now here on the Soccer Hour, KNBR 1050. Um, in terms of soccer and its place in American culture, I mean, we're about to see 50,000 people on Saturday storm Stanford Stadium for the Quakes and the Galaxy, and that's it's a sight to behold. We, we both know it's, it's awesome. Um, take me back to your college days at Chico, and was was there much talk of soccer like now it's totally normal for people of all ages to talk about the world cup or talk about the gold cup or talk about you know uefa champions league or talk about mls talk about the epl in your times since getting into sports media and i'll just take it back to your college days how much of a land you know just a, a an overall change to the landscape have you seen I've seen a drastic landscape change. And, you know, keep in mind, going back to my days in Chico is a long time ago. Uh, Wando graduated, I think, 10 years after I did there. And they had a semi, uh, I think it's a semi pro team. Cheap Rooks were there. Um, gosh, I think semi pro might be the wrong term, but um, it was a, a lower level team that he played on. 
But, you know, Chico State has had a great soccer tradition. So, mm-hmm. I mean, in and around the university, I think there was a lot of talk about uh, soccer. And when the Chico Rooks came, I think there was still um, enjoyment of, of soccer. But I, I don't know, at least I don't remember much of talk about uh, EPL or Serie A or, um, you know, maybe a little bit when the World Cup came around. But yeah. it just wasn't a – and that was 94, right? So, yeah. Now I'm really telling you how old I am. So I, I, it has changed a lot. It has changed a lot. And I think that's because when you say America's culture around soccer, America has changed a lot in since 94. I mean, the, the World Cup uh, back then uh, to now, America is, 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 I think, so much more diverse in terms of its uh, the, the different um, uh, nationalities that have come to the United States. So, I mean, you can say, quote-unquote, American soccer, but um, just the last couple of weeks, uh, I'm, I'm watching soccer matches in a lot of different venues, and there are, you know, a lot of different nationalities, not just rooting for the teams that they have, uh, you know, uh, genealogical ties with or, or, or like that, but it's, it's changed quite a bit, and I, I think in terms of soccer, it's changed for the better. The more different nationalities that come to the United States, uh, uh, the better it is for soccer, I think, in this country. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to me. I know that they, in the first couple of days at Avaya Stadium, I think they had 6,000 people come out to the games. And then for the Mexico game this past Saturday, they had to open seven sections inside the stadium for people to sit down, which means the area around the bar was already totally packed in terms of what they could you know, safely have, people standing down there. And that's just to come somewhere and watch games on TV. I mean, that to me, we, this wasn't happening. I mean, obviously, Avaya Stadium wasn't there in 2014, but this wasn't happening just four years ago. I mean, things pass are happening so quickly it's it really is interesting to watch because we've never i mean you and i grew up in a society where baseball basketball the nfl and hockey were the established you know sports and nothing was challenging the status quo and all of a sudden like nike and espn and all these companies that were big in on that world cup bid in 1994 they've been telling us for you know a quarter of a century and now it seems like all of that is coming to fruition yeah, I think so. And also remember, and I know it's uh, you, uh, you don't need to be reminded, but I'll say it anyway. Um, the U.S. isn't in this tournament. So I know. This would be, I, think, <laughs> dra- I think it would be drastically, drastically different. I mean, uh, more obviously more involvement and more interest from those who are here, – here's an example. I, I ran into um, – I had an eye exam, and the tech at the eye exam yesterday was just an annual checkup. Was from was born in Argentina. Her grandparents were from Italy, and she lives in the United States. She said it was so great last World Cup. I had three teams to root for, <laughs> so it's not like she was saying I'm from Argentina. They're my team. Sorry, United States. Sorry, Italy. Um, I'm not rooting for you. I mean, these fans, whatever your, their connection is, their parents, their grandparents, they're cheering for these teams when they come to the United States. Now, that's fantastic. Now. We, we talked a little bit. I didn't want to get her too bad of a mood because she had to do the exam. <laughs> I, I value my eyesight. But uh, she said, oh, the, the Argent, Argentina and, oh, Italy didn't make it. They have issues. In the United States, we should be better. And uh, That kind of passion is only going to help around here again we're talking to anthony passarelli here on the soccer hour kmbr 1050 you know it's interesting that you mentioned the fact that you that the united states aren't in this tournament because 
for me, it's been more enjoyable this time around because there haven't been those stress-filled matches of watching the United States, and I've just kind of been able to have – I won't say impartial because I'm very much – um, you know, involved in every game and wanting to watch. And I enjoy that there's, you know, a high level competition on at, you know, eight in the morning on a Monday or whatever day of the week it is. And it's, hey, great. There's, you know, this is the biggest sporting event in the world and it's on. But it's amazing that I've been, I wasn't really sure how I was going to take it in, but I, I think it's been as enjoyable as ever. And just with the games and the finishes we've seen up to this point, it's, it's been stupendous. Well, and I, I think this is perfect for social media. Uh, because you have these great matches, you have uh, so many tweets from so many different cultures and people and celebrities and you and Danger and everybody tweeting about these fantastic matches. Um, with my schedule, I have to DVR a lot of the, the early morning stuff, mm-hmm. so I don't get a chance to watch it later in the day. And even though I know what happens, um, I'm excited to watch. So I think social media is enhancing it. Clearly, you have your trolls that go through and, and want to make something negative out of it. But <laughs> even with the U.S. in it, and by the way, still sick to my stomach that they're that they're not playing in this tournament. Yeah. As I am that uh, my my grandparents uh, who came from Italy, uh, that side of the family, we're sick that Italy's not in this tournament as well. But I'm still enjoying it. So that just should uh, show. And I think you're saying the same thing the magnitude of what this event means and how exciting it is. Yeah, no, it's been it's been really really fun up to this point and I'm just excited to see where we uh where we go from here and just all the storylines it's it's presenting to us. Um in, in terms of, you know, the, they've talked about the ratings being down and this is something that you know from being in broadcasting. A I don't think that it has to do with the United States not being in it. I think it's the times that the games are on, but I also think just going by TV ratings anymore as opposed to the massive numbers of pe- people, especially 30 and under, that are streaming the games, I think that skews numbers in a massive way because, like you alluded to with social media, with that as a barometer, I don't think the World Cup's ever been more popular, which tells me that those television ratings that they're citing right now, it seems like there's a disconnect between the reality. Yeah, I haven't seen those those numbers yet. Um, I would expect them to be down in the typical uh, "quote unquote" old fashioned way of measuring. Um, I don't know if those if those numbers include social media engagement, um, and I don't you know how many are, are streaming from their phone or tablets, uh, and you know uh, watching at bars or at a Vaya Stadium. Um, you and I are interested in the sport uh, immensely, and we know many passionate soccer fans. So I think uh, for you and I and, and those folks, this tournament is fantastic. For those who were on the fence about whether they wanted to watch or maybe, uh, hey, we'll watch because it's an event, because the U.S. is playing, you know, we're going to cheer the U.S. on, they're probably not watching. That's just probably the truth of it. So um, I would expect those ratings to be down if they were just capturing television sets or, or, or households. Um, if they're able to capture all of the social media engagement, I, I think that number you know, would be higher. Again, we're talking to Anthony Passarelli right now here on the Soccer Hour KMBR 1050. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Quakes, Anthony. Obviously, it's been a uh, a disappointing start to the season um, as we get close to the halfway point. I don't think any of us really saw this coming. I was expecting them to be, you know, in a battle around the red line or maybe a little bit um, above it. But they've just gotten this new player to shore up the back line, uh, Guram Kashia or Kashia. I'm sure I'm butchering that pronunciation, and Jake Pizzani is going to hear this and shake his head. <laughs> 
Um, but this is a guy who uh, Vitesse, uh, you know, fans are devastated that he's leaving. He's got the international experience representing the Georgians and being a team captain for them as well. Um, how much do you think this could change things? Because with him and Cummings, who I thought really had been getting better and better as the season went on, with the two of them back there, uh, with Nick Lima, who of course just signed that uh, new contract, a multi-year contract extension with the Quakes. Um, you know, it seems like you've got three of the four slots along that back line improving. And I actually, as the game went on last week, I thought Partita played better and better as the game got deeper and deeper. Yeah, uh, first let me start with Nick uh, Lima's new contract. Congratulations to him. Because when you come into this league as a homegrown player, um, you know, that there's pressure on you. I mean, you know, you were selected, you've gone up through the ranks, and I think he's held up to that pressure well. He's a fan favorite. And it's good to see him get a multi-year deal. Uh, with regards to Tashia, I asked uh, Michael Starry about him. I said, how much do you know? This was last week. Uh, he said, I know a lot, and I, I like what I see. I think he's going to be a fantastic addition to this team. He's not only going to help uh, the play on the field, but he's going to help the rest of the players with his leadership in that back line. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned Partida. Even Nick Lima hasn't been around that long. I think Cummings. Obviously, the, the veteran, along with Affilter, who uh, and Quintana's young, so they need some of that leadership back there. Flo, when he moves up to the midfield, I think they lose some of that leadership on the back line. So I think uh, I think you know, not having seen much except for some highlights, and like you said, all of the uh, the Test fans who were so sorry to see their captain go, um, I, I'm expecting that he will add to that back line and and hopefully move them toward a couple of shutouts here. We will continue this conversation with San Jose Earthquakes TV play-by-play man Anthony Passarelli and talk with LA Galaxy sideline reporter Megan Riza coming up next. Welcome back to the Soccer Hour brought to you by your NorCal Honda dealers. We are talking to Anthony Passarelli, TV play-by-play voice of the San Jose Earthquakes. That's what's amazing, Anthony, is because they've been pretty darn good on offense this year. I mean, this Quakes team is putting up the most goals that they have since uh, 2012, and they're on pace to score more goals than that than that year. And, I mean, that's just that's what's been so frustrating. And, you know, the, they haven't gotten many breaks to go their way. You can only talk about the Portland game or the LAFC game as two very obvious examples of um, things just going disastrously in the end. But, you know, you feel like if this, if this team could get things settled down along that back line then you know I I don't know about the playoffs that's still completely I mean they've got to start playing some stellar soccer to get themselves even back into the conversation I mean they're not they're not out of it but they've got to start rattling off wins but you you do look it's like half of that equation is there and it's it's humming along pretty well and Danny Houston you know with 10 goals he's you know having a great season but you feel like it it, they've been so close in so many games hopefully this will be one of those changes to get that back line just to play a couple ticks better, maybe they can start, like I alluded to, rattling off some wins. Yeah, and with regard to Cautious, he won't be ready, uh, won't be available until the transfer, summer transfer window opens. I think that's July 10th. Yeah. So I, I don't know how long it would take him to get into uh, shape, uh, familiar with what Michael Starry wants to do, um, and be available for selection. So there's a stretch of games in there uh, after Portland where you're playing teams that are quite frankly beatable. I mean, even on the road, Montreal has not had a great season. <laughs> They've not played very well. <laughs> uh, Seattle has struggled this year. Uh, RSL at home, I mean, at Avaya Stadium. Uh, the Quakes just went on the road and, and played them very tough. 
then you have at Dallas. That's but I mean I'm talking about July and into August mm-hmm. where you've got Colorado in there as well. You get a stretch of probably about six or seven games where you could see you know start to see some victories start coming in. And I know you know some fans might be listening. And go well, what would give us an indication that that would be coming? Uh, this is a long season, and you know losses early in the year or uh, draws that broke your heart uh, at Philadelphia in the first uh, few weeks of the season mm-hmm. or against Houston at home on yep. April 14th. Um, th- those are long in the past. It's, it's going to be a very different team uh, with Kasha in there, uh, assuming he plays as advertised. And you start getting some players back like Anibal Godoy and, and, and Cummings, and you'll start to see some different dynamics going. Hopefully that offense stays productive and the defense starts uh, locking things down. And I immediately look at this game on Saturday against the Galaxy. And this Galaxy team, I mean, they're going to be without uh, Dos Santos. So that's uh, something that, you know, they can use to their advantage, the, the Dos Dos Santos, uh, as, as we would like to uh, have a little giggle at because I'm a broadcaster and that's about as creative as my humor gets. But, um, you know, this is the Zlatan Ibrahimovic show, but at the same time, this Galaxy team is not great right now. They still have a lot of the problems they have last year. I mean, what are you looking at in terms of this match? Uh, you know, how do the how do the earthquakes go in there and potentially walk away with three points? Well, I think they're definitely the energy is definitely going to be there, and that will be provided by the building uh, just to start with. So that's your baseline. It's a big match. It's probably the biggest match of the summer in terms of uh, you know eyeballs and energy and, and excitement. So I think there'll be a little bit of a, a, a hitch or rather a boost there. You've got an offense that's playing better. Like we said, Danny Houston has been doing everything he can to try and score goals, and he's been coming through. I think him up there with Wando, uh, then Wando gets, you know, if, if the focus is more on Danny, then then you, you've got, you know, the soon-to-be all-time leading scorer in MLS history uh, as somebody who can benefit from that. Um, you know, but it all does come down to the back line. So if you've got... Uh, um, some changes Michael Starry is making this week or more focus on certain things back there. Um, I think this is a winnable game. And, you know, we added teams lots on, and I think the fans will go nuts. Uh, but that should also add to the fire for uh, the earthquake. So I'm looking forward to a great match. We're not doing it on TV, sadly, but uh, everyone can listen to Ted. And uh, I think Danger and I are going to be there Um my kids want to come to this one, which is rare. Uh, so it's going to be fun. I'm excited to watch and, of course, stay for the Pirates. Awesome, Pass. Well, thank you for your time, as always. Uh, I always have a great time getting home from the matches and watching uh, your broadcast because that's what I do. I, I come home because I'm sick of myself, and I say, let me let me see what Anthony had to say during the game. But uh, always a pleasure. And you, and you go and- – and you go right to sleep. Right? No, no, I'm usually wired, and I'm I'm actually usually mad at myself because I'll be like, I, Anthony did it better than me. I, I you know, that's that's usually what I do because I I go with the I listen to myself and I just go, God, this is awful, Ted. What have you done? You butchered an entire call. I, I, I'm I'm very harsh well, on myself. <laughs> well, guess what? You you are, are firmly in the broadcasters club because yes. I do the same thing. Um, <laughs> if it's a, if it's an exciting victory, I go right home and watch it. If it's a you know a tough loss or I feel like I didn't deliver as I had hoped, I can get through about ten minutes of it before my stomach start hurting, and then I go, "Well, we'll watch the rest of that later." <laughs> awesome, Mr. Passarelli. Well, always a pleasure, and we'll see you on Saturday. All right, man. All right, thanks a lot, Ted. We'll be listening.
That is, again, Anthony Passarelli, TV play-by-play announcer for the San Jose Earthquakes. Now it's time for us to be joined by sideline reporter for the LA Galaxy, the one and only Megan Reza. Megan, how are you doing? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it to uh, be here. A week ahead for for the Galaxy and Quakes. Yeah, it, it's it's a big one, and always the uh, the Classico brings out the rivalry. And one of the things that I've been talking about, and I wanted to get your take on it, is this year for the Heineken Rivalry Week earlier in the year, they had the Galaxy take on LAFC, and of course it was the infamous debut of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, but more to the fans in the Bay Area, I think they thought of, hey, is the league trying to diminish the rivalry between SoCal and NorCal with the Quakes and the Galaxy and the, the leagues arguably, you know, the uh, the most historic rivalry by saying, hey, there's a new team in L.A., let's make that the new rivalry in California. Did you view it that way or did you just say, hey, the league is saying, no, come on, there's a new team in L.A., we've got to make this a nationally televised game in rivalry week? Well, I think that there's got to be two parts to it. Number one, it's the Cali Classico, and like you mentioned, there's just so much history and rivalry between the Quakes and the Galaxy anyways, that's not that's something that just doesn't go anywhere. If you're a longtime fan, you know, you're never not gonna look at that game and think that it's not a rivalry. Players are absolutely viewing it that way. That was how, you know, everybody was coming into the Quakes game anyway with that mindset of this is a rivalry undoubtedly. But I mean it does throw a wrench into things with LAFC We'll see if uh, kind of how that develops. I know that the Zlatan game was one of the best sporting events, I think, that uh, has been happened during the MLS. So it, it's tough to say, but you, it's for sure that that uh, Cali Costco rivalry is not going anywhere. And in terms of um, LAFC and their debut and their impact on the Galaxy, Megan, one of the things that I found myself a little bit um, concerned about, and obviously, you know, being as how you guys are geographically south of us, it's in my blood to have a, uh, a rivalry against L.A., which I always poke fun at, but um, I did not like it when I was at the airport last year after uh, the game in August when the Earthquakes had a rare win at StubHub Center, and I'm going through security, and I'm wearing an Earthquakes jacket, and this guy says, Oh, uh, you a Quakes fan? I said, Yeah, sure. Yeah, I like I like the Quakes. And he says, Yeah, well, we're getting a, a, a team next year. And I said, I, I don't follow. He says, Oh, we're getting a team in LA proper. And I just kind of, I just laughed it off. But as I walked away, like it, it bugged me, Megan, because the mm-hmm. LAFCs and Atlanta's, and then the Nashville, and then the Miami 2.0. Like these teams are going to exist and have success because of the foundation that the Earthquakes and the Galaxy and the Colorados and all these other teams that came before, that they, they, they did it all. They, you know, proved the league and they created this soccer-friendly atmosphere. Like, that really bugged me, the, oh, we're L.A. proper, we're, we're L.A.'s team. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, the 49ers play in Santa Clara, the, the, the Giants um, and the Jets don't play in New York City, and I just started listing off all these teams in my head. And what, what was your read on that whole marketing campaign for LAFC? Was it just, you know, that was their low-hanging fruit to go after, or was it, you know, something more than that? Well, oh, that's tough to say. I think that, you know, despite, there's always going to be the rivalry. We know that. When it comes to, like you mentioned, just to backtrack a little bit, um, that 
teams like the Galaxy, the Quakes have laid the foundation in a sense for these new teams like the Atlantas, like the LAFCs to come in and have a blueprint of success when they look at organizations and um, in the MLS and how they're run and what brings success. So, of course, uh, it's easier maybe now for teams to get started and, and we're seeing a lot of success from these new teams, new organizations right away, and maybe that's not surprising. But it's, I don't know what to say. It's just, it's not going to be, if I see where you're where you're coming from in a sense, but teams are always going to have, uh, Galaxy fans are always going to be Galaxy fans. Quakes fans are always going to be Quakes fans. I know that we're seeing the LAFC community kind of coming together now, and I think that they formed from kind of a fragmented, almost Galaxy Quakes situation, but I think it overall it's, it's a good thing for the MLS to keep expanding and to have more more reach all across the United States. And I, you know, we're confident in both of our teams respectively and what they're capable of doing, and we're hopeful for them in the future because, you know, they have good heads on their shoulders, but overall it's a good thing. And I I don't think that we should look at it that way. Yeah. I I was going to go there next is that I fell, it felt at the the other side of my argument to that, just kind of being annoyed with LA markets. Okay, Ted, don't be cynical. Just look at this as the fact of there's two teams in LA um, that are very competent, like you alluded to, and that's just going to be good for everyone. This isn't Chivas USA 2.0. This is LAFC, a whole new franchise. This is the LA Galaxy going against them. It, the rivalry is going to drive both teams. And if soccer is doing well in Los Angeles, that means soccer is likely going to be do, doing well everywhere. Exactly. And I think that, you know, even this year with the United States not having a team in the World Cup, you're still seeing, especially here down in Southern California, that's where I'm at, uh, it's just World Cup fever everywhere, and it's so great to see it, the the passion from from all fans, and it, it certainly is carrying over, and that's why we're seeing all these expansion teams. Again, we're talking to Megan Rizzo right now here on the Soccer Hour on KMBR 1050. Um, you talk about the, the passion in L.A. and the World Cup fever, and just to me, I'm taking that bigger picture, and I, of course, look at the arrival of Zlatan Ibrahimovic to L.A. and the impact he made. Like, you know, Megan, I don't know what other athlete could come to L.A. and have that kind of impact except for maybe like LeBron James because, you know, in my opinion, if Mike Trout is walking down the street, I don't think there's that many people who recognize him right off the top of their head. But, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I mean, people kind of flock to him, and I don't know... You know, if Clayton Kershaw draws that kind of a crowd, but, you know, with Zlatan, I mean, he arrived and L.A. kind of went nuts. And obviously it helped that he had that debut, which is, you know, will go down as one of the most amazing things I'll, I'll see in sports history. But, I mean, like I said, other than the potential of LeBron coming, you know, in free agency this summer, have you seen anything like that with, with Zlatan coming to L.A.? You know, it's so funny that you even bring up the Mike Trout aspect of it. I was actually having that conversation with a friend not too long ago because I saw the same point that you're making right now that, hey, we have some of the best players in their respective games here in Southern California, and yet, you know, they could, Mike Trout could be walking down the street (laughs) in Huntington Beach, California, and there would be people that would have no clue who he is, and that is just, 
a giant travesty in itself. But I was I was curious when, you know, it was finally announced Zlatan was going to be here, the reception that he received that night. I was curious to see how the Southern California audience would kind of respond to him. You have the, the diehard football fans that have followed his career over in Europe for all of its entirety. So for him to make that jump here to see what the reception was going to be like, we saw that uh, famous, now famous, I guess, LA Times newspaper article that came out that said, you're welcome, <laughs> uh, Los Angeles, which was so awesome. But it it has been a very warm welcome for him. And it has been just open arms, even traveling anytime that we're around the team, there is a constant flock of people that are wanting to be near him, wanting to see Zlatan. So it, it has been Hollywood is a match made in heaven for him. We will continue this conversation with LA Galaxy sideline reporter Megan Reza coming up next. Welcome back to the Soccer Hour brought to you by your NorCal Honda dealers. We are currently talking to LA Galaxy sideline reporter Megan Reza touching on Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And Megan, it's really interesting to me because I've I've been a fan of his um, for, for a long, long time. And he's, you know, he's amazing to watch on the pitch. And his personality... Um, I, someone asked me to try and to describe it the first time. I think he went on uh, one of the one of the late night shows and saw his you know kind of demeanor, and they said, "Is this a bit with this guy?" And I said, "I don't think so. I you know he's just kind of cocky, but it's it's weird, Megan, because there's not a lot of other people that could go out there and exude that kind of confidence um, and not have it come across as some sort of like malicious arrogance. But with him, he's just." Uh, there's just a unique energy about him that's it is very cocky, but at the same time, it's it's friendly at the same time in the way he presents itself. Because, like you said, it's it's a warm reception. Because I mean, even even Hollywood stars, if they were like that, I think people would have a little bit more of an animosity towards them. But with Zlatan, it's like, yeah, I mean, he backs it up. He goes out there and plays his butt off, and he scores goals. So we appreciate this from him. It's it's a very interesting dynamic. Well. Number one, yeah, he has had the play to back it up. But even he had that kind of attitude before he was having that kind of success that he's had in his career. But it it is it's difficult to explain because, yes, he has this cocky arrogance to him that he portrays. But if you watch the interviews, if you watch um, anything that he does on camera when he's when he's talking and, and saying those things, anytime after he says that, it usually comes with a chuckle, mm-hmm. a laugh, a big, you know, whole face smile. He's just having fun. And that's just who his personality is. Some people aren't going to like it. And he's obviously unapologetic for it. It's just his style. It's, it's him having fun. It's him connecting and, and enjoying his life and his success the way that he is. <laughs> Good stuff. Again, we are talking to Megan Rizzo right now, sideline reporter for the LA Galaxy here on the Soccer Hour, KMBR 1050. Um, looking big picture at, at the Galaxy, because so much of it has been the Zlatan Ibrahimovic show this year. Um, obviously, we've got uh, Dos Santos brothers missing with Mexico right now, um, and the team has been making moves uh, to the defense. They've been still trying to find themselves this year after 2017 was, you know, by Galaxy standards, uh, disastrous. Where do you view this team right now and where they're headed? If I could say one word, they're progressing. Um, 
they had their last game against Real Salt Lake. It was a 3-0 win. That was a very important game for this team, not only because of the score, the full three points at home, but the way that that team played together that night really felt like it was the first complete game um, that we had seen for this group. Defensively, everything was clicking. Sticky even agreed that it was a good night for the group. Everybody, the communication was there, the fluidity was there, and that was reflected in how the offense was able to perform. And they're taking on a little bit more uh, chances, a little bit different offensive strategy now that they have got comfortable in in the striker position with that balance between Ola Kamara and Zlatan now. So it's definitely been a work in progress, but I think that we're seeing after a, a tough four-game losing streak for this group where things started to look bleak in terms of they didn't know exactly how these pieces were going to go together. You heard some of the players saying, I'm not sure, of, even from Zlatan's mouth, of our objective, our game plan. So those were certainly concerning, but this Real Salt Lake game really solidified a lot of things for this team. They have a lot more confidence right now, and I think that um, their Montreal win, what was it, I want to say three or four games ago, was Mm -hmm. really where they had said that this is the beginning of our season, we've turned the page, and this is who we are now going forward. And how how did Ziggy Schmidt kind of um, absorb the the rough period? Because this is a guy who was – um, you know, he was ousted in Seattle, even though he laid the foundation and did a lot of things to put that franchise in a great position to succeed. But obviously there were, um, you know, there were high standards there and that was a franchise that felt they needed to change. He's out for a little bit. Then he comes on with the Galaxy, finishes up the year last year and has, you know, this year going and ha- has these you know rough steps along the way. Um, what do you think he did that made it work um, through the rough points to where now the team is looking better? Well, you just have to keep pushing on. And I think that that was the best thing that he did for this group was get them back on the pitch, get them in training, looking at video, talking them through. Because most of the problem in his eyes of what he's told me and what we've seen uh, him talk about is the chemistry factor of the Galaxy have so many new faces on their team this season that it was the first third of this season it's felt like everybody trying to get to know one another so the more that they have been on the pitch the more that Ziggy is now better communicating I think in a way where the team is grasping what he wants and you're seeing that now uh, communicated on a pitch of especially in that Real Salt Lake game where it's making sense so it's just working through that for them I think was the biggest thing for for Ziggy is just getting over that that rough period and in the mentality, mindset, confidence, attitude part of it. Again, we are talking to Megan Rieser right now here on the Soccer Hour KMBR 1050 and just looking ahead towards uh, Saturday night. What what exactly are you expecting to see out of that game? Um, you know, obviously these are two teams are going to have some roster deficiencies due to World Cup absences, but it's still, it's, it's the Classico. There's going to be 50,000 strong at Stanford. It's still going to be a huge game. Absolutely. It's, there's going to be no shortage of emotion. That's number one. Number two, I we're hoping that everybody's healthy on our end. In our Open Cup game, we had a couple players leave the game in terms of Ima Boateng, Ola Kamara, Sebastian Lechette. 
Um, so just making sure that everybody's healthy, that I think that's number one for the Galaxy. And number two, the, the mentality, the mindset really for this team now is playoff picture. They want points on the board. They want results. So they are looking not ahead, but they're looking towards the end of the season. They're ready to start making their playoff push, and they're going to bring everything they got. Awesome, Megan. Well, I really appreciate your time, and I hope I can bother you for an interview again real soon, all right? <laughs> well, thank you. appreciate having me on. Again, that is Megan Reza, sideline reporter for the LA Galaxy, joining us here on the Soccer Hour. Um, it's been an amazing couple of weeks with the World Cup going on. Just the fact that Avaya Stadium has been as packed as it has been, simply stunning. I mean, I know that Avaya Stadium didn't exist in 2014, but it feels like the way people react to it, it goes above and beyond my wildest expectations, especially with the U.S. not involved in it. I mean, the fact that they had to open up seven sections in the lower bowl at Avaya to accommodate the people watching Mexico's game this past Saturday, it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. I mean, I don't know whether or not I was expecting or was not expecting it. I mean, I thought it would be successful, and I knew there would be crowds out there at these games, but to see this kind of response, it's simply fantastic to see. And the the videos that people have been sharing from Avaya Stadium, the work our own social team has been doing to get the, the atmosphere out there, to have people you know, want to come down and partake in it. They're doing fantastic work. It's hard not to have World Cup fever. It's it's an incredible time to be a fan of soccer, and that's just what makes this so much fun. And it's a great time to go out and enjoy it via stadium, and hopefully with the San Jose Earthquakes, though, if they can get their season turned around, they can start making it a great time for us to all come out to Avaya and watch this team. I mean, listen, every time I go out to Avaya, win or lose, I'm having a great time, and I feel that there's a large contingent of fans that are as well. But you know what makes it an even better time? winning some games and I feel like the earthquakes have been on the wrong end of some bad breaks and it's time for the breaks to start going the earthquakes way again reinforcements are on the way you're getting players back from international absences and it feels like things could start to turn in favor of the earthquakes but again it all starts Saturday night when they host the LA Galaxy at Stanford Stadium again join myself and Joe Cannon for the call you've been listening to the soccer hour presented by your NorCal Honda dealers I'm Ted Ramey signing off.